This conference will now be recorded. Hello and welcome to Deltec Markets Monday for the 23rd of November 2015. Good morning those in the Americas, good afternoon those in Europe and good evening those in Asia. Uh, this week we'll be covering our usual agenda, firstly looking at investment market movements over the past week, a strong week for markets, rebounding from the prior week uh, and the strongest week in some for certain markets. Uh, secondly, we'll touch on uh, the outlook for the current, the current week uh, and what to expect. There's a lot of key economic data, especially on the global manufacturing side, which will give us a good read into global industrial production growth over the next few months, which is key to our outlook for markets. Uh, and finally, we'll touch on our uh, investment ideas for this week. It's a research redux piece. As is always the case, six weeks after we publish our quarterly outlook, we revisit uh, our ideas to see uh, where we're at with them in terms of uh, you know, whether all of those calls are still intact and going through in some of, the, some of the detail what our outlook is from the current point. That also encompasses our current investment positioning. So looking at investment markets over the past week, a strong week for Europe, it was the strongest week we had in four, and developed markets outperformed emerging markets. Uh, across developed markets, the strongest market was uh, Europe and within that, Germany. Uh, the weakest market was Singapore. Within emerging markets, the strongest market was Russia, and the weakest was Turkey, declining slightly. Uh, we're still, still seeing developed markets outperforming emerging markets over the past month, over the, la over the year to date uh, as well, and of course over the last year significantly with developed markets outperforming emerging markets by approximately 14% over the past year. Looking at fixed income markets, uh, a stronger week uh, for fixed income as well. Interestingly though, US high yield credit is underperforming High yield credit is an area that we've been quite bearish on. It's an area that we continue to avoid. We haven't yet seen a huge amount of, uh, of pain in the high yield credit market, but we do expect that that Great, is coming you? over the coming three weeks. Sorry, over the coming three months, uh, we're expecting high yield credit to start to decline. And looking at commodities market, uh, continued declines there. Uh, we've been quite bearish on commodities for the better part of two and a half years. We saw copper go to another six and a half year low. It's at the lowest point now that we haven't uh, that, that we've seen since the financial crisis. Uh, we're simply seeing an absolute breakdown in industrial metals prices, uh, with uh, in all industrial metals plunging. The nickel price now at the lowest level that we've seen since 2003. We remain bearish on commodities despite the declines that we've seen, and many people saying it's time to look at them simply because of that fa they've fallen we continue to have a bearish view for the outlook for commodities. In currency markets, the US dollar continued to strengthen. It's now up 5% over the last month, uh, rising significantly over the last month against the euro, up by 6%, uh, also rising against emerging markets currencies. Uh, we remain bullish on the US dollar, given our expectations of the growth and monetary outlook in the US relative to other regions. We'll touch on that in a little bit further detail when we go into our investment research for this week. Looking at last week's economic data, we did see data below consensus expectations in the majority of regions. Some of the highlights in the US, housing data was weaker. The NHB housing market index was below expectations. Importantly, this housing data is coming off the back of a very strong period that we've seen over the last six months for housing. Uh, we, are, we were expecting this soft patch to occur. It is expected to continue for the next one to two months. But beyond that, we still remain bullish on housing in the US from a cyclical perspective and from a secular perspective. Uh, we are reflecting that in our tactical investment portfolios. 
Within Europe, we did see data below consensus expectation. The highlight there was inflation remained muted, CPI in line with expectations, but below the prior month. That weak inflation outlook for Europe is key to our call that the ECB will increase stimulus either at the December meeting, which is in early December, or early in the new year. Uh, we do expect that the ECB will introduce additional monetary stimulus. Um, beyond that, by that monetary stimulus that's going to come through, underlying European growth is actually quite stable and starting to improve. So we're seeing an environment here where underlying European growth is okay and expected to improve, and monetary stimulus is expected to increase significantly. This leads us to quite a positive outlook for Europe in line with our investment call two weeks ago when we upgraded our European outlook. Uh, so we remain positive on Europe. Japan, uh, the data was above consensus expectations, uh, but still it will be impacted negatively by uh, emerging markets in the coming months. And China, we started to see property prices roll over again. This is of some concern because it was a property market rolling over going back last year that really led to a lot of the decline in asset prices more broadly. So we continue to monitor this situation in China uh, from both a financial stability perspective for China, but also for commodity prices, which, as I mentioned earlier, are being significantly negatively impacted. Looking forward into the coming week, uh, a lot of manufacturing data out. Uh, the market manufacturing PMI data is out across the world. That'll be key to watch for the outlook for global industrial production growth. Of course, PMI indicators are one of the best indicators that we look at with regards to the outlook for global growth. As well as that, in the US, we've got more housing data with house price data. Uh, in Europe, we have money supply data and a lot of confidence data out. And in China, we have industrial profits data looking for some stabilisation there. Uh, so a very key week for data, uh, particularly so that manufacturing data, which is one of our key leading indicators to global growth. Next, turning our attention to our investment idea for this week. It's a research redux piece, a piece that we're republishing for its importance or recent market movements. It's a redux of our quarter four 2015 Deltec quarterly strategy outlook entitled Still on Track. Now, in this note, we really asked the question as to whether a lot of the calls that we were seeing previously are still on track, not only in terms of our more positive outlook for developed markets, but also our outlook for emerging markets and commodities. And we asked that question because at the time we published it, which was early October, we'd seen a very weak two months of performance in August and September, uh, the weakest market performance we've seen in up to four years in certain asset classes. And we concluded from this investment research note that indeed we are still on track, not only on the upside, that we do continue to believe that developed market growth will continue to expand modestly over the next one year to two years, but also that a lot of the ideas we were bearish on in terms of emerging markets and commodities are still on track on the downside. We were seeing a lot of market participants calling for a floor to emerging markets and commodities at the end of the September quarter, simply because they'd fallen a long way. But that's certainly no reason to turn positive on these types of assets. And likewise, the declines that we saw in August and September were, sim were simply no reason to be bearish on some of those areas such as developed markets where we were previously positive. So the world is still on track and it's important now to go into some of the key calls from that. From a global perspective, investment markets are placed at the intersection of declining global growth momentum within an economic expansion that remains on, on track and changing global liquidity conditions within an era of slowing US dollar liquidity growth. All told, this leads us to the outlook for this quarter of being one where investment returns will be slightly weaker, 
but when we look beyond the current quarter, we are still looking for growth. If we look at emerging markets, the short-term outlook for emerging markets remains negative as weak, the weak growth outlook is compounded by worsening liquidity and solvency situations, all against the backdrop of a decade of increasing the debt that has substituted structural reform in many emerging markets. The crisis continues to unfold for emerging markets and remains the greatest risk to developed markets. Looking at the US, the outlook for US markets is positive, but temporarily curbed by declining, global growth, declining growth momentum and tightening liquidity conditions. When we first published this note, we were positive on consumer discretionary, home builders, technology and capital markets. We remain positive on all of those areas and particularly highlight our upgrade to consumer discretionary over the last uh, week, we upgraded uh, consumer discretionary with our note why, we're, why we are still bullish on the US consumer. When we published this note, we were also negative on utilities, REITs and commodities. These have been three of the worst performing areas since we published our note and we remain negative on all of these areas, especially in an environment where the US is going to raise interest rates, which will be negative for these three sectors. That's utilities, REITs and commodities. In Europe, we had the view that growth momentum is likely to continue to decline, which will weigh on markets in the near term, but the still improving outright economic growth and loose monetary conditions will ensure earnings upgrades will continue. Indeed, that's what's starting to occur. So within Europe, we remain positive on banks, consumer discretionary, industrials and capital goods, and we remain negative on commodities. For Japan, we downgraded our view of Japan with our latest quarterly outlook. The exposure to China and emerging markets was going to continue to weigh on Japan and likely offset the benefits that Japan has with its exposure to global growth. So within Japan, we did downgrade our view, but we remain positive on US dollar exposures and technology, and we remain negative on commodity players and transport. For China, we made the call that equities were likely to stabilise with growth momentum, and indeed that's what's happened since we, since we published this note. Within China, we're positive on defensive sectors, and we're negative on financials, commodities, and commodity economies. Specifically for China, we made the point that the best opportunities don't exist in playing China, but rather in playing the derivatives of China, that is, commodity economies such as, the Australia, such as Australia, Canada and their currencies, and as well as that commodity markets. They're areas that we've been negative on, and as, uh, as discussed earlier in our piece, uh, commodity markets have been significantly negatively impacted, copper prices falling by 12.5% in this month alone. Uh, so definitively that call working since we published our outlook. The commodity markets, we've spoken to it, but within our order of preference, we remain more positive on agricultural commodities and selected energy and negative on industrial metals, iron ore and commodity economies. Within currency markets, we've been positive on the US dollar, that call's worked and our order of preference within currencies remains the US dollar, the British pound, the euro, yen, Canadian dollar, Australian dollar, then emerging market FX, we continue to expect the US dollar to push higher over the next year, potentially rising by as much as 10% over certain baskets of currencies over the next year. Within credit markets, we remain positive on selected developed market sovereigns, investment grade, floating rate notes and long duration assets, and negative on high yield credit, emerging market sovereigns, and selected investment grade that's lower quality and shorter duration assets. From both a credit quality perspective, we maintain this call of staying in safer credits, and from a duration perspective, we maintain our call of being in floating rate notes at the very short end, or being in long duration securities. We want to stay away from the belly of the curve. Indeed, that's the part that's been most negatively impacted 
since we published our note and we expect that to continue to be negatively impacted. So overall, when we look at our positioning across investment markets, not a huge amount has changed since we published, since we published our outlook. And most importantly, our outlook remains intact. We're not expecting particularly strong returns from investment markets this quarter, but we still believe that within a cyclical and a secular expansion for both global, the global economy and for equities more generally. So our order of preference for asset classes is equities followed by cash and liquids, that's floating rate securities, followed by fixed income and followed by real assets. Within that, we maintain our preference for the US dollar over all currencies. Uh, and that's where we sit from a tactical investment positioning perspective. I'll leave it there and open it up to any questions. Any questions from the room? Yeah, I have a quick question. If my sense something here. REITs versus housing. REITs, real estate investment um, a unit, were negative there, were positive in housing. Yep. Um, yeah, so the reason behind that is we're positive on, on home builders uh, and we're positive on stocks exposed to home buildings, such as the Home Depot, the Lowe's, et cetera, because we do believe that the US, from a cyclical perspective, is well positioned for new home building. That is, we're seeing rising income growth at the consumer level, coupled with uh, still very, very low interest rates, which assist people in being able to buy houses, as well as that, from a secular perspective, demographics in the US are incredibly supportive of the housing market. Against that, if we look at REITs, they're classic long-duration assets. They benefit from a valuation perspective when interest rates move down. Uh, as much as we're not expecting the long end of the interest rate curve to move up significantly, we're certainly not expecting it to move down from the current point. And that's really what's necessary to start to get uh, that asset revaluation upwards, which is really what we saw uh, for, for the better part of the, the 2000s for REITs. Um, so we're staying away essentially from the, the hard asset side, the real asset side, the long duration side, and staying more towards uh, the home building side. Any questions from the phone line? Hey, Adam, another extension of the room. Yes. Um, I guess in, in terms of short-term asset allocation, um, I guess there's a key takeaway uh, from what you've just articulated um, is that you view the, the world pretty much as you did back in October. In other words, uh, we saw remain uh, positive where we saw upsides before and negative where we saw downsides before. Um, but you also said because of the slowing global growth momentum and, uh, and tightening liquidity, there's going to be a, a curb of, on growth in the short term, certainly perhaps for, for what remains of this, of this quarter, um, and then anticipated growth from early next year. How does that affect short-term asset allocation? And with limited options, can you draw back some positions and then loosen the reins as they were again in January? Or uh, do we just sort of hold our ground um, in those markets that you articulate where we're going to have uh, some growth. Okay, absolutely. So, um, so that's exactly what we're advocating, which is you know, we've been pulling back positions uh, going back from, from uh, really October. We were selling into some of that strength in certain positions. Uh, and, and really, that's not, just, that's not because we're, we're turning particularly negative on, on asset markets. We just didn't see significant upside in the current quarter. Uh, and we really you know, pulled back on a lot of those overall equities exposures. In terms of where we look at from our tactical portfolios, which is probably the best way to look at it, our overall net equities exposure uh, is about 20%. Uh, and that's down from at the start of this year, we were up around 70 or 80%. Uh, and you know, at, at various points of the year, we've been uh, What's really important though is, is 
the second point that you made that within that allocation, within that net long 20%, the sector allocation becomes very, very key. The areas which we're still positive on, we're more than happy to hold them through. Right. The areas which we're negative on, you know, we're more than happy to hold them. But the overall allocation, this just isn't the environment where you want to pin your ears back and buy kind of all equities and high beta equities thinking that everything's going to go up. So we're very, very selective within our equities allocation. Uh, probably worth covering off on where we are positive there. Uh, so at the moment, we've got an approximate uh, 20% allocation to US uh, housing. Uh, we've got an approximate uh, 20% allocation. Well, actually, it's about 15% to US housing. It's about 15% to US retail or consumption, which is what we discussed last week. Uh, there's a 30% allocation towards Europe on a currency hedge basis. Uh, and there's a 10% allocation towards US technology. So there are our net long exposures. Where are we short to offset that? We're short gold mining equities, which is uh, about a 15% short position. We're short mining equities, uh, which is a 10% short position. We're short US utilities, which is 20% short. And we're short US REITs, which is a 5% short. Okay. As well as that, we're also short selected currencies. We're short the Japanese yen, uh, the Australian dollar, and the Canadian dollar. So as you can see, it's not that you know, we're just not doing a lot. There's yeah. a lot which is happening, but the net long exposure is short side too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Any other questions from the phone line? Any other hey, questions? From uh, just have a question for you on uh, market positioning. Um, institutional investors, just given the uh, the volatility in markets over the past five or six months, are probably going to be repositioning for year end. So you're going to see some market dislocations. Any particular areas you're looking at from a tactical perspective? Some uh, from uh, repositioning. Yeah, look. Uh, in terms of in terms of repositioning, I think certainly on on the short side, we are seeing areas where we could see institutional investors uh, square off at the end of the year, um, and that is you could see some volatility uh, in some of the mining exposed equities and in some of the emerging market exposed equities as well. They're really areas where uh, investors uh, have been. You know, some investors have been short. Others have been. Uh, you know, quite long and reducing their positions. And that's really where we're seeing a lot of the activity take place. Uh, so a lot of those carry trade sensitive assets, uh, they're really the areas where we could see some dislocation in markets as we move towards the end of the year. And that's, that's a function of, as I said, where institutional investors are positioned right now, but also the result of some of the very precipitous declines that we've seen in those markets. As I mentioned earlier, copper price down 12.5% month to date, nickel price down at 2003 lows. You know, that really does change the way that a lot of these institutional investors will be viewing these uh, you know, perceived asset classes going into the end of the year. So those, those very violent moves, I think, are going to cause repositioning as well. Uh, as well as that, I think going into the new year, uh, there's certainly a lot of positions that are being held in areas such as high yield credit, which, where people are, are feeling quite comfortable at the moment. Uh, and they're the areas where people are probably going to be quite happy positioning going into the end of the year. But as we move into the new year, and we start to see dislocations in those markets, uh, you, you could see some substantial falls. So for investors looking to position ahead of that, you know, we'd really say for emerging market equities, uh, for, for mining equities, you could see some dislocation, but stay the course on the short side. For high yield credit, you could see some of those areas bid up just as investors remain comfortable with, with their position towards the end of the year, but we would really be selling into that strength. Okay, uh, if there's no other questions, uh, thanks everyone for your time. If you, if you want a copy of our latest quarterly outlook and you don't have one already, please feel free to contact myself or your Dell Tech representative. Happy to send you a hard or electronic copy. 
Otherwise, have a fantastic week. We look forward to speaking with you next week. Thank you. Thank you. The organizer has disconnected and this conference will continue for 60 minutes.